0: Welcome to How We Win.
1: All over this country, people are doing extraordinary things. We're giving you the tools that you need to make a difference right now. The best antidote to anxiety is action. There are
0: 13 days until the most important election of our lives is over. Together, we can win all the houses.
1: Today, we talk with documentary filmmaker and author, Michael Moore. We talk about how he got his start as an activist, And what is different about how people are engaging in this election? We're also
0: joined by Tony Award-winning director and the creator of Broadway's American Idiot, Michael Mayer. Both Michaels joined us earlier this week for an American Idiot letter-writing event, and this full conversation is not to be missed.
1: I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Mariah
0: Craven. And this This is is How We win. Win. Halloween's almost here, so I keep wanting to say Michael Myers instead of Michael Mayer.
1: <laughs> if we could have scored the Michael Myers interview, I don't think he's spoken to anybody ever, so that would be a coup.' be a good get
0: news <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Especially since I'm we're trying... recording remotely. I wouldn't want to have him in the studio.
0: No, no. Um, 13 days, my God, can you believe it? Ah. My anxiety is through the roof. That means more action is needed.
1: <laughs> That's true. And, and important for everyone to appreciate that it's not 13 days until the election. It's 13 days until the election is over. The election is happening right now. Early voting is happening. Volunteer contact is happening right now. Uh, I know our listeners are already jumping in and making impacts. Um, we got to keep doing it foot on the gas. Uh, what did... One of my great colleagues at Swing Left said, go to sleep like the polls are right, wake up like they're wrong. I love that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to hang on to a little bit of your mental health.
1: (laughs) Right. Great advice. It was in response to me saying that I wasn't sleeping very well.
0: (laughs) Uh, Oh, well, you know, 538 said, don't look at individual polls, go to 538 for the cumulative impact of the polls. I okay. That was kind of interesting. And also a, a good plug for themselves. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right.
0: We don't care about polls anyway. What we care about is voter and volunteer enthusiasm. And boy, do we have that in spades.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we can jump right to my reasons for hope because we've already had 34-plus million people vote. We're setting records. And that, by the way, that's a quarter already, just shy of two weeks out of election day, that voted in the entire 2016 election. Just huge turnout, breaking records in all these states for early turnout. This is what we need. We know that when we're able to turn out voters, that's when Democrats win. So that's that's exciting. Uh, Foot on the gas. Don't stop.
0: I'm going to go ahead and make a crazy prediction that this is going to be highest voter turnout ever. This is more exciting than a, a Zoom call with Jeffrey Tubin. I got to say.
1: <laughs> for those of you who don't know who Jeffrey Tubin is, he is uh, a currently suspended uh, journalist for the New Yorker who um, did not follow proper Zoom etiquette.
0: So anyway, 34, <laughs> million, 34 million votes cast so far that, that is a great reason for hope, Steve. We have Trump to thank for spurring a lot of voter turnout, I think. Mm-hmm. It's the one one thing that he's good for. but um, we also have a, a lot of volunteers to thank because they've made God knows how how many calls and written how many letters, postcards.
1: Whatever. Well, we just finished the big send uh, vote forward and, and all of the amazing volunteers who wrote letters, 17 million letters. What? You might remember, cause we talked about it on this show, the initial goal for the big send, which seemed like ridiculous, actually like it seemed really bold was 10 million letters. Okay. 10 and million wait, was their goal. Wait.
0: What, 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 what did we end up sending?
1: 17 million is a lot more than 10 million, and that's what we ended up sending.
0: That's amazing, everybody. That's yeah. incredible.
1: Yeah, and if you go on social media and and look at the hashtag, The Big Send, you'll, you'll be greeted with inspiring photos of volunteers taking huge boxes of letters to the post office, and um, it's just these letters are effective. They're going to make a huge difference, so... Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the work you did.
0: That's amazing. Like, everybody should be putting this on there. Like, you should brag about this for years to come. Absolutely. 17 17 million. God, amazing.
1: Yeah, and, um, you know, we had Scott Foreman on the podcast, who is the creator of, um, Mm -hmm. who came up with the idea for Vote Forward, and he's such a great guy, a humble, just, you know, one of us, just a guy who had this idea for writing letters and started doing it in one election. At his one kitchen election. table, I think. Right, at his kitchen table, exactly. And to think about, like, I've been thinking about him a lot. And as we come down the stretch here, I've been thinking about Ethan Todras Whitehill, who founded Swing Left. Mm-hmm. And both of these people who had this idea, and now like 17 million letters later. And, and we're coming into this, this place where we had like the voter contact that we're doing at swing left right now is so encouraging. It's so hopeful. We have so many volunteers who are stepping up to make phone calls now and the letter writers, they're not done yet. Like they're done writing letters. And so now they're stepping up to make phone calls because they know how important that is. And, um, it's, it's really moving. We had a phone bank on Sunday (laughs) to Florida. We had 1,300 people on the phone bank. We made 200,000 calls in two hours, two weeks before the election, over two weeks before the election.
0: That's amazing.
1: It's pretty incredible.
0: When we talk about, um, especially in places like Florida, we talk about the number of votes that can swing an election in, in either direction it ain't 200,000. It's usually much smaller than that. So the fact that in one day that many people were contacted in one phone bank, just imagine what's going on nationwide. Yeah. Good job, everybody. Keep it up. 13 more days. You got this.
1: So I talked about my reason for hope, which I know you share, of course, is all the people who have already voted and all the volunteers who are jumping in. Uh, What's your reason for hope?
0: So my reason for Hope this week is an activist here in Southern California. I don't know her that well. I think you know her pretty well, Michelle Meneer-Fell. And I, I I know her by reputation, and we've like worked on, on a few things together. But um, she has been taking people's I voted selfies that they're posting on social media and turning them into these really cool images that look like colored pencil drawings and then Mm -hmm. they're reposting them and she's just she sees somebody post and then she takes their photo and sends it to them all zhuzhed up and it's really cool and it just makes me appreciate how I think this is a community building activity because it's making people feel so good and supported and rewarded, but also it's like an outlet for her art. I don't know how she's creating these, but they look really artistic. And it it just makes me think of the people all over the country who are finding new uses for their skills, talents, and passions and applying it to, to this election. And just like doing cool stuff and making everybody feel good. So shout out to Michelle for finding a way to re- like reward people and give them a little boost for doing their civic duty. It's really cool. And I know that there are other artists out there doing that. There's people like um, we talked to Reggie Hubbard, who's who's doing yoga classes. Yeah. And um, we're going to talk today to Michael Mayer, who who used his um, Broadway chops. And gosh, like you can do so much if you think creatively. It's really cool.
1: I love that you're giving some props to my friend, Michelle, because I do know her and she is very creative and amazing. She's also um, a big indivisible leader and she's run nice. some campaigns too. She's just a powerhouse organizer. She's worked with Women's March. She is definitely an unstoppable force of activism and deserves to be recognized. And um, maybe we should have her on for uh, for a mini pod too. That could be fun.
0: Oh, that would be cool and she could tell us how she does these cool images i would love to see other election artwork if people have it they can share it with us on social media using the hashtag how we win 2020
1: great idea um, but our main call to action, of course, we need you on those phones. We really need to reach out to every single voter and make sure that we have the kind of resounding repudiation of Trump and the GOP that we need to win and make this undeniable. I'll talk about polls because some of the polls in these battleground states are still tight, and that's where these field margins will really help. That's where these phone mm-hmm. calls will make the biggest difference. So go to swingleft.org phonebank jump in. We've got you know, call nights going on. We've got immediate impact phone banks. We have training resources for you, all kinds of options. If you haven't phone banked yet, now is the time. Trump and the GOP are doing everything they can to stay in power.
0: Mm-hmm. They will
1: leave nothing on the table to stay in power. We need to do the same thing. I'm going to wake up on November 4th knowing that I did everything in these last 13 days to make sure that doesn't happen.
0: Okay. That's a, a great example. I don't think I'm quite there yet. So I'm going to do my best to get some phone banking in, in
1: the next few days. <laughs> great. Yeah. Let's do it together. <laughs> right. I think we're going to put, we'll do a, how we win phone bank too. I'll let you, we'll let you know exactly when next week, but I think GOTV weekend, um, maybe, maybe even election day, we'll do a phone bank with, with our listeners and everyone together. That'll be really fun.
0: It'll be a great way to, to, um, spend a very nervous day looking <laughs> right. looking forward looking forward to that.
1: All right, well, we've got a great extended interview with Michael Moore and Michael Mayer. Um, they were doing uh, as Mariah alluded to earlier our last letter writing event last weekend uh, with the cast of American Idiot on Broadway. It was a really cool event. We had a portion of our interview on that event. So um, for all of you who are joining for the entire interview, we're excited for you to hear it.
2: Attention foodies, Discovery Plus has what you're hungry for. With new original series and a supersized collection of favorites, Discovery Plus has the largest collection of food shows anywhere. With new exclusives like Bobby and Jada in Italy and Luda Can't Cook. The streaming service for everyone hungry for more. More cooking, more competition, more originals. All for only $4.99. Discovery Plus is the streaming home of food, plus so much more. Start your free trial.
0: Michael Moore is a documentary filmmaker, author, activist, and the host of the Rumble with Michael Moore podcast. We're also joined by Tony Award-winning director Michael Mayer, who wrote and directed the musical American Idiot and also directed Michael Moore's one-man show on Broadway, The Terms of My Surrender. Michael and Michael, attorneys at law, it feels like I should say. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for all that Swing Left has done, is doing. Everybody out there uh, who's on board uh, with Swing Left, it's such an important uh, group. And um, uh, I don't know if you've talked about this, but back in 2018, I mean, swing left played an important role in getting the House back uh, in the hands of the Democrats and getting a whole lot of new people out to vote who hadn't voted before. So uh, congrats to you.
1: Well, thank what you. What a huge compliment. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people, as you said, worked really, really hard to flip the House. And thank goodness we did. Michael Moore, first to you. Uh, you spent your career in the field fighting a lot of important battles But I want to hear about the first issue or campaign that you actually worked on and what did it feel like to step up and volunteer for the very first time? Wow. Um,
3: (laughs) Just to buy a few seconds so I can remember how far back. (laughs) Let me just say in, in Mariah's introduction, and she described me as a filmmaker and other things, and she used the word activist. And I've always found that to be an interesting word and a redundant word in the sense that because we are all citizens of a democracy, Hmm. that automatically implies that we're activists because democracy can't exist unless the citizens are active. So we are, by our nature as citizens of a democracy, we are all activists. Now, not all of us necessarily are as active as others. Uh, Some people aren't active at all. But uh, one thing is for sure to me, I felt this way my whole life, Is that if we fail to be active, if enough of us fail to be active, uh, the democracy will cease to exist. That and 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 boy, we are now on the precipice of this. Okay, now I've remembered back to my (laughs) job.
1: That was good vamping.
3: (laughs) Not bad. I know you've got to be able to do that and think (laughs) back at the same time, without the aid of drugs. So. I remember the first time I went campaigning for a candidate door to door was when I was in fourth grade and my buddy, my friend, uh, uh, in fourth grade, his dad who was a school teacher had decided to run for the state house of representatives in Michigan. Hmm. And so, uh, he took us all through the district and we, one night we were in the very poor part of the district, uh, just. In like South Flint, Michigan, uh, it was called Burton Township. All poor, poor white uh, voters, and it was it was an interesting thing because everybody had a big dog for their protection, and uh, we were chased down a number of blocks by various <laughs> dogs. And in fourth grade, you can just about run fast enough, but you cannot outrun all dogs. That I learned. <laughs>
0: oh, no.
3: His dad won. And then went on to become, eventually, the Speaker of the House of the State House of Representatives in Michigan. It was a really eye-opening experience. And in our town, I remember I lived just two blocks from the George Wallace headquarters. George Wallace, racist, segregationist governor of Alabama, in 64, was running as an independent. Johnson would win in a landslide that year. He ran again in 1968, George Wallace and won the Michigan primary four days after he was shot in Maryland mm-hmm. uh, at, a, at a, a strip mall uh, rally, it was at a shopping center. And somebody tried to kill him, he didn't die. And uh, I think I have an abundance of sympathy, but also sadly because of what you've seen with Michigan in the past week, uh, also an abundance of uh, 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 sympathetic supporters and it comes to the issue of racism and white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And so he won the Michigan primary. My very first primary that I voted in, uh, in 1972, I voted for Shirley Chisholm. Oh. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to remember now how on earth in Flint, Michigan, did I ever even know about her. But somehow I did, and I'd studied up on it. And, and of course, I loved McGovern and all that. But Shirley Chisholm, black woman, congresswoman from Brooklyn was saying all the right things and really was way ahead of her time in terms of the intersectionality of, of uh, racism, uh, misogyny, anti-war, all of that coming together in her platform. So those are like the two first early instances of like, you know, campaigning. My, dad's, uh, my dad was in the UAW. He was in the auto factory, worked in the auto factories at General Motors. My uncle, my uncle Laverne, was in the sit-down strike in 1936, that founded the UAW by mm. taking over the factories in Flint for 44 days. Okay, now, see, I, I had too much time to think about my history. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, and then the end of the story is, at 18 years old, um, I became the first 18-year-old, the youngest elected official in the country. The first 18-year-old elected to office, which was because it was just months after 18-year-olds were given the right to vote. Uh, so just a few months after that happened, it used to be 21. Right. They lowered it to 18, and then, as Michael knows, I tell this story in the in that one-man show. Uh, I just called up the city clerk to see if, hey, if we can vote, can we run? And the city clerk uh, said, actually, for school board, you can run for school board. And so I decided to run that day, and I got uh, only needed 20 signatures on the petition. And as Michael knows, I just went to 20 of my stoner friends. And <laughs> uh, they would sign anything. Right. And I got on the a- <laughs> I got on the ballot, and I came in first place. And uh, so it was kind of a big news thing at the time in Michigan that uh, the first 18-year-old had, had, uh, had been elected. That is my uh, – that's the extent of my political history. After uh, the school board, I retired, and I raised vegetables.
0: <laughs> um, I, I want to um – when the Terms of My Surrender was on Broadway and the New York Times reviewed it, I just want to read the phrase that they used to describe you as an 18-year-old politician, because I uh-huh. want everybody to hear this. The <laughs> embryonic provocateur.
3: Embryonic provocateur.
0: Which is amazing.
3: It's so funny. That, re- that review, they put it on the front page of the Friday Arts section. And the whole, it wasn't, they had to cut, you know, it was a big picture that they'd taken on the stage. And then there, there were maybe four or five paragraphs on that front page and they were beautiful. Like what you just said, they were just like, and then you go to the jump page (laughs) and the guy got the reviewer was so angry at me. And, uh, and essentially by the end of the review ordered people not to go to this. This is, this this is, uh, it it went, just went against his way of how he viewed the political world. So those first five, six paragraphs were brilliant. And we had a, a nice long run, uh, uh, there uh, at the Belasco Theater.
0: <laughs> Can you talk about how you all decided to collaborate on that?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, we met through my, uh, our mutual agent, John Bazzetti, John and a, right. It was way back. It was way before, It was quite a while ago. It was about two years probably before yeah. before the actual show. Just to meet because I was a, a big fan of his and Michael more for those of you who don't know it is a major theater fan and sees everything. Um, and I just love that, uh, about him. So we met and just, and became friends and at a certain point, you know, and he said, I've got this show. I did it in London. I'm thinking maybe of retooling it. Um, when the time is right, we'll, we'll, we'll find the right moment. And then, you know, what happened that November four years ago, um, that still wakes me up in a cold sweat every morning. Um, and sometime thereafter, we got together again and, and thought maybe this is the time to, to put this together.
3: And Michael uh, just beautifully staged this, um, what I call, it was a one-man show. Uh, it, the whole thing was just so, I was just so blown away by how the whole thing looked, how it was presented. I mean, I, I felt every night, every night, there's 900 seats in this theater, okay? So every night, I feel like there's 900 people in my living room. And it felt different every single night. And, he, and Michael, you told me that's what happened. Yeah. That no two audiences will be the same. And it was such a profound uh, experience. You did brilliantly. It was
2: so um, much fun. Every night. that audience just left so high
3: and energized and committed. Uh, The crowd outside just wanted to keep talking after Mm. uh, after it was all over.
0: Well, I just wanted to know what what you wanted those 900 people to walk away feeling or doing after the performance.
3: I wanted them to feel like they held the power, Mm. that Trump doesn't hold the power, and the Republican Party certainly doesn't hold the power. You can't show me a single fact that shows that the majority of Americans agree with the platform of the Republican party. That's back, by the way, when they used to have a platform. There is right. no, there's no platform,
1: <laughs> As opposed to just what Trump says, that's their new platform. Yeah, that is. So, the, so the
3: majority of Americans, we saw that in the 2018 election, uh, they don't like uh, what's going on. And so they actually hold the power uh, to change things. And and so every night, um, just before it ended, I left people with, uh, some things that they could do. They could make their five calls every day uh, to their federal and state legislators. And each day, this this uh, website, I think it was called Five Calls, uh, they would mm-hmm. put up what you need to make a call on today. So I tell people to do that. I tell people how they, they could run for precinct delegate. You can run for office uh, in your neighborhood. Most, most precincts don't have enough people sign up to be precinct delegates. So the party just anoints them but you can you can go to the county convention by running for precinct delegate
1: you know It's really funny that you would say that because I completely forgot this. But I heard you talk about that. And I actually ran for delegate in this last election, although so many people heard you talk about that. It really changed. It wasn't just like a few people running now. The the uh, delegate elections in California became huge. And uh, I think you had a lot to do for to open people's eyes to that.
3: Well, thank you for saying that. You know, you you never know. But if enough of us just keep saying the same things. And don't, and don't stop saying them. I know that my fellow Americans want to be involved. Even the people that don't vote, 100 million don't vote. But I, I don't look at, I don't wag my finger at them. I don't blame them. I, if anything, tell them that I understand why you're upset. Almost 90,000 people in Michigan in the 2016 presidential election stood in line for two to three hours to vote. They didn't stay home. They showed up to vote in the cold in November went in and voted for every line down ballot, State House, State Senate, Congress. Uh, uh, we don't have dog catcher. Drain commissioner is our lowest person. The, you, you elect the person in charge of the sewage in Michigan.
1: Michael Moore, what would you like to ask Michael Mayer?
3: A question for Michael Mayer. My question for Michael Mayer is, when did you first see the world in a way where you realized that um, politics... Whether you cared about it or not, it cared very much about you and politics was going to affect your life. Mm. And you decided in that moment that you were going to do something, even if it was just, you know, I can't wait till I'm 18 and I'm going to vote. I'm just, I'm curious your, because you grew up in suburban DC. So you grew up around a lot of these government kids. You You said Bethesda, you go to Walt Whitman High School.
2: Woodward, but right near Walt Whitman.
3: So I'm curious. Growing up in that area, Michael, Mm -hmm. um, when when did it sort of? When did you realize? Oh yeah, my God, you know this. It's it's not Flint, Michigan. It's not Gary, Indiana. It's Bethesda, Maryland, Mm -hmm. and I am literally surrounded by the power that runs not just the country but the world.
2: Um, I I think back and um, when my mom was. Part of League of Women Voters hmm. back, in, and then she was on the local board there.
3: Oh, I and my dad.
2: Yeah, and my dad was um, a lawyer. He he was um, counsel for the um, NLRB, so he was a real labor guy. So oh. I had a. It was a pretty political family. And I think that, and my mom, she was always campaigning. And I remember marching around in, it was 1972, and I was marching for, you know, McGovern and getting into, like, horrible screaming fights with the kids who were like, Nixon's the one. I remember that. <laughs> and I thought they were all so horrendous. Um, <laughs> and my parents both voted for Shirley Chisholm also. in, <laughs> in uh, So, uh, So she was very, uh, a, a very familiar figure in, in, the home um, but I think that what I when I realized that I had a kind of obligation first was when my mom and some of the other ladies in the neighborhood arranged to open up our swimming pool the neighborhood swimming pool for inner city kids to come um, and most of them were black right. and there were so many families picketing, outside this is in Bethesda wow. Maryland in the 60s and they were picketing they didn't want black kids swimming in our swimming pool and oh. i of course had no problem with it and was swimming with them but then I, I but i realized oh my god people who i go to school with and i have dinner at the their houses and these are the people who i carpool with they're racist they're and there's something has to be done about this so early on i i thought like i have to like have a responsibility in that way but then really um being a gay man in america and coming of age as a gay man in the 70s uh late 70s that was that, and And going through the whole AIDS crisis and seeing the complete not just disregard but the hatred it's the true. stuff that I experienced as a kid being bullied and stuff being called names, being knocked into lockers, and that kind of abuse that I endured as a young person, but seeing it on a grand scale, so my first real like political thing was joining act up. Mm-hmm. And so from that point on, I just felt like this is what we have to do. It's what you said earlier. It's being a citizen. Yeah. It's what motivated me to do American Idiot in the first place.
1: I I love that context from those origin stories and what it means to be a citizen. And let's shift a little bit now and talk about what it means to be a citizen right now at this moment in our history. At least in my lifetime, there's never been a more important election to get involved with. Michael Moore, you've been on the ground for a lot of these, as you said, even voting for Shirley Chisholm in your first election and running as an 18-year-old. You've seen a lot of civic engagement. Are you seeing anything different about the ways Americans are engaging in this election?
3: Oh, yes. I mean, already we know the numbers, historic numbers of people showing up to vote early uh, to get right in absentee ballots. Um, There is a stampede. There is a tsunami taking place of people heading to the polls, getting their ballots now, getting them in early. All of that is um, happening in such a historic way that I'm, um, I'm very uh, lifted by what I'm witnessing right now. Also, what I've seen is, and I'll just say this, you know, personally, politically, is that I've lived long enough now to see where the things that I believed in uh, 30, 40 plus uh, years ago, which where I was just like out on a limb. I was like some crazy person out here, but believing that, uh, I mean, just pick the subject matter, um, the, the idea that. Uh, Michael uh, would have a husband or the, uh, the idea that, um, um, that women would have equal rights. Um, I mean, when I was in high school, if, you, if a young woman got pregnant, um, 1970 to 1973 before Roe v. Wade, when it was illegal, it was a crime to have control over your own body uh, as a woman. Uh, you had to figure out a way to get on a bus or hitchhike to New York State, so from Michigan we could go through Canada, end up in Buffalo, and and that's where you could legally get an abortion. Um, we're gonna go back to those days with Trump's Supreme uh, Court, and everybody needs to to know that it's with abortion, it's also with the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. Um, you know it's it's almost as if I was thinking this the other day one of us maybe somebody from swing left has infiltrated the trump campaign and has convinced them for the last seven or eight months to do a series of things that would turn the White House over to the Democrats but convince the Republicans and trump that this is the best thing they could be doing like completely ignored covid 19 even though you told Bob Woodward Back in February, you knew it was a plague and it was a killer and airborne. Uh, Just just let people die. And yes, now most, I understand, sir, yes. Most of the people that are going to die, the majority of them, are going to be in the one age demographic that you won overwhelmingly in 2016. So I know this is going to sound crazy. You're killing off your own voters. But I'm telling you, you're going to look strong. You're going to look like a man if you stand up to COVID like this. And, and, then, and each thing that he's done, uh, a, a, attack, you know, every one of us, especially any one of us in the working class, we all have a relative somewhere along the way that died in one of our wars. My uncle died in World War II. I know friends of mine have both have brothers that died in Vietnam. Um, to call them suckers and losers. Who mm-hmm. put the idea in his head to say that? It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like we have somebody on the inside (laughs) convincing him to do the very things that are going to throw him down into the worst defeat, hopefully. And I don't say this. Remember, I'm the one who told you he's going to win back in 2016. So I remember (laughs) he's he's I've never thought of him as stupid. He's an evil genius. And that genius has served him well. Uh, 14 seasons on primetime network television. I never had 14 seasons. Seinfeld <laughs> never had 14 seasons. Those wow. Six Friends they never had 14 seasons. He got 14 seasons. And he-
1: well, Trump didn't have a show on Broadway. Just going to say that.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 we invited him. We had a role for him if he would. If he would. <laughs> but, but he. But I'm just saying he's pulled off. And every time when you think, oh, that's the end of Trump. When, yes. he, trashed, when he trashed McCain the Billy Bush tape. Right. Um, we kept, oh, that's it. That's the end of Trump. No, my friends, it is never the end of Trump. And that's why the work you're doing that we're doing here is so important because we cannot take for granted that, oh yeah, for sure he's going down now because of COVID, you know, because of everything else he's done. That's that's the end of Trump. Never say it's the end of Trump until, what's the line from a Dylan song when you're literally... I don't want to say it, but <laughs> you have to be standing there and you have to be, you know, everybody, Michael knows this, in any kind of uh, 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 drama, if you do not actually see the end of the person and the characters are just saying the person's over, don't believe it. you got right. to see it with your own eyes. It's you a, know that.
2: Yeah. It's a, it's a lyric from Letter Bomb from American Idiot. It's not over till you're underground.
3: Okay. I, I wasn't see. I wasn't, gonna I'm say saying
2: it. it. I have no problem okay, saying it.
3: I, just, <laughs> I know I'm so conflicted this week because of course nobody wanted him to be in pain in the hospital. Nobody wants him to die. Now that our thoughts and prayers have been answered and he's back at it, planning the coup, planning to create voter suppression, right. all the things that he's doing. I just say to people, We're saying, I said, well, how's those thoughts thoughts and prayers working out? Because it seems like they worked. And now he's back at it. And now we have a chance of four more years of Trump. That cannot happen. That cannot happen.
1: Well, you've said this more than just about anyone else, but we know that this modern GOP uh, paved the way for a Trump presidency. And um, it's not fall uh, out of the sky. Trump
3: didn't just happen. We, we have this, he's the final, he's actually the end result of what she, it should be after all these years of allowing Republicans, of allowing Wall Street, of allowing uh, uh, bigots and racists to have their way and have their say and to control women and to where st- women still do not have an Equal Rights Amendment, still are not paid the same as men, that we've allowed this, we've paved the way for him. And he walked right into a country, not of his making, but of our making that we didn't stand enough for women, that we didn't stand enough for our, our fellow, our black citizens. We didn't stand enough. And so he just waltzed right into that. And we need, we need some serious soul searching to do. One way to redeem ourselves is to remove him, get Joe Biden in there, and Kamala Harris. Uh, and, and I say this to my fellow progressives who are still, I understand why you're upset, and Bernie, we all worked hard for Bernie and all that, but seriously, Seriously, you know the moment we're in. This is the end. This is the end. Four more years of this—that's the—that's it, my friends. And you know, it's not just me saying that. Anybody who's studied this, any historian who studied this, knows that we are—we are literally at the final step. And if—and if we sit back, if we sit this one out, we will regret this so horribly. Uh so I I I just I'm really encouraging everybody to show up flip the senate how about that okay you, you don't like Biden that much fine but you show up flip the senate how about this why do you want to leave the squad alone why do you want to leave AOC and Rashida and and, and now they they're going to double or triple their squad in this election why leave them without the support that they need we we have to show up, and it isn't always. We always don't get our way. I don't like broccoli. I think I'm alive today <laughs> because I'm eating broccoli. So <laughs> I'm just saying, if Biden is your broccoli, eat it. Vote. You can't sit this out. You can't. You can't do this. And that's why people like me and Bernie and Noam Chomsky and go down Cornell West, we're all on the record. We're out there, we're voting for Biden and we're bringing 10 people with us. Every one of us, and you all watching this have to do this too. You have to bring people with you. You've got to make sure everybody votes and make it fun, make it a thing. Make it a lunchtime uh, party, make it a, uh, make it a party that night. Back in Flint, we used to do this thing where we'd have a party on election night and anybody that showed up with an I voted sticker um, got in for free. Uh, so there was free beer. And we got, we got like one of the used car dealers to just donate a car. And we do a raffle of every, of everybody. They take their, I voted sticker off, put their name on it. We put it in and we draw out the name and you, you could possibly win a car. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of sounds crazy and probably illegal, but I'm, I'm my point is, is that um, we've got to make this happen. we got to make it fun. And, um, and we got to make sure everybody's off the bench. And what I was saying earlier about 100 million don't vote, but a lot of them are people who are um, just so upset. I understand it. They don't like either party. They don't like either candidate. And they stay at home as an act almost of civil disobedience. Because I believe most people who don't vote love their country. I believe they love this country. And it's got to pain them. It's got to kill them. You have to sit it out, and especially this year. I want to hold my hand out to you anybody who's watching this, who just gave up on voting, come back, come back with me, just this once, just this once. If you don't like it, it turns out to be a big scam. Okay, fine, I won't bug you next time. But just this once, let's do this together. Let's show Trump and these people who have hurt our country how much power we actually hold. It's the thing they're the most scared of. It's the thing they're most scared of, that we, the people, we the people are going to decide who's going to run this country. And and yes, you could be cynical about it. And you could say, oh no, they're doing this. They took the mailboxes out. They did. Yes, 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 and yes. Okay, you got it all out. Now let's go vote. What are they gonna do? Stand at the voting, uh, the polling place door and not let us in? Do that and and uh, well, we'll see how our fellow Americans respond to that. We're the majority of this country. We are the majority, the majority of Americans. Uh, take the progressive position on just about every issue, whether it's equal pay for women, whether it's choice, whether it's climate change, raise the minimum wage. Our fellow Americans are with us on all of these issues. And that's the good news. That's mm-hmm. the good, we're in the majority. And 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 I, I know you're worried and you've got a lot of problems with our fellow Americans. Washington posted this story a while back. Um, and the point of the story, it said it was, we're not a nation of gun nuts. As bad as gun violence is in this country, as much as we need to correct it, they pointed out that 78% of Americans do not own a gun. 78% of us do not own a gun. 3% of us own half the guns. Mm. That's scary. Mm-hmm. But it's 3%, not the majority. We're not in Nazi Germany yet, folks. We, we have a chance right now to grab our country, wrap our arms around it, and say, hang on. Hang on, we're going to get you back and we're going to get you to be the country we always knew we could be. Mic drop.
0: Yeah, that's so beautifully said. What else could you add? Mm -hmm. Um, I want to go back to the idea, though, of making voting fun, because uh, Michael uh, Mayer, you're helping make volunteering fun by helping us put together the swing left virtual American idiot themed letter writing party
2: right so everything that mike just said that was that's the goal i'm so glad that you were here with us mike to to share that because that's you you've said it better than than i possibly could but the idea is to take that energy and take that idea to remind people from your own perspective from your own experience and your own heart and communicate why it's important for those people to get out and vote, in, in particular in those swing states where the, the vote really, really counts.
1: Yeah. Well, we really appreciate everything that, that you all are doing. And like Michael said, that everyone's doing. We all have our circle of influence. We all have people we can reach out to and connect with. We end our podcast uh, with the same question for all of our guests. So um, one final question, and you touched on this before so beautifully, Michael, what gives you hope for the future?
0: You
3: know, I'm not much of a hopey hope. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I believe in realistic hope. Um, and so what I mean by that is uh, I know that my fellow Americans care deeply about all of this. They want what's best for themselves, their family, their friends, their neighbors. Um, they're, they're not bigots. Um, uh, we are all related to women every single one of us, none of us would be here without at least one woman. And I think that, that it doesn't feel good to be on the wrong side of history here,
1: Hmm.
3: to be a person who is full of hate and animosity toward those who are not white men. So my hope, my hope comes with, um, I have to say man you know whenever we finally get the votes counted it won't be on election night so don't don't set yeah. yourself up for that but sometime that week or the week after or whatever it is when they're all counted um sometimes it takes us a while but the votes will be counted and when they're counted and when we see that each of us participated in, and can tell our kids and our grandkids and people decades from now that I was there. I was there in November of 2020 when it was a la- landslide. No, it was a, it was a tsunami right. of American citizens who said enough, enough. I will not live in this kind of world. And um, and I've and I've said this before that. I refuse to live in a country that behaves in Trump's way. I refuse to live in that country. But here's the, here's the news. I'm not leaving. <laughs> right. So we got a problem. We got a problem because I'm not leaving. And I refuse to live in the way that this administration has been treating workers, families, women, African Americans go down the list. So that means I and you have to change it and we will change it. That gives me immense hope. And man, I just wanna I wanna see the orange crush like nothing I've ever wanted to see before.
1: <laughs> well, you say you're not a hopi a hopi Guy, but you wouldn't be standing up and doing this work so consistently for your whole career if you uh, if you didn't have hope that we could make this country better so thank you, Michael Moore, for all of, all of the work that you do. Michael Mayer same question to you Well, um,
2: I guess the thing that gives me hope is the knowledge that the young people in this country are. Really motivated, yes. And the old people are going to eventually be gone, and the continual browning of this country is going to make it so much tastier.
3: <laughs> and
2: uh, and I think that 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 <laughs> gives me hope. It's inevitable. It is going to happen. Change is happening, whether we like it or not. Luckily, I like it, and I, it makes me <laughs> happy. Um, and, and that's the thing that keeps me going, that no matter how grim it looks at the moment, it's going to get better.
1: Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you both so much. It's been such an uh, extreme pleasure to have this conversation with you guys.
0: Yeah. Amazing Thank
1: conversation.
3: Thanks to everybody at Swing Left. Everybody yeah. keep swinging.
1: Thank you so much for joining us and thank you for stepping up to take action With 13 days left this is how we win we do this together we win when we all get involved
0: we want to hear from you tweet to us at blues boy steve and at mariah underscore craven or email us at podcast at swingleft.org.
1: If you're new to the show and you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple or wherever else you get your pods. Share us on social media and use the hashtag HowWeWin2020. And don't forget to post your artsy voting picks. Uh, check out our page at swingleft.org slash podcast. And, of course, sign up to volunteer. Sign up to phone bank right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening every week. And we'll be back with more next Wednesday. See you then.